Oh, hello, Ms. Kapow. You there? Hello, Brother Kapow. I'm here. Cool. Cool. Today's date is? Today's date is March 11th, 2019. Wow. And I've uh, changed time. I'm like one hour in the future now. Crazy man! Talk about parallel universes. Now I'm, I'm a time traveler. That is nuts. It's nuts. It's just crazy. Today I'm going to talk about a uh, dream vision that was given to me. Well, I didn't dream it, but it was given to me by Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer and Max Schaefer <clears throat> have listened to Kapow Radio for a while now, probably a number of years. And uh, we have talked on the phone. We've done uh, deliverance together, mm-hmm. things like that. And she has sent me a number of dreams in the past. Uh, normally, they're um, you know they're of a personal nature. Uh, some have been more global, you know, for the church. I mean, the called out ones. Uh, but usually, her dreams uh, are pretty significant. They're, they're pretty crazy. So she'll get a dream and then um, we'll, you know, not all the time, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but then ship it out and then say, you know, do you have any thoughts or God giving you direction? And, and a lot of times that does happen. And that's pretty, that's quite common, you know, in Acts. It says in the, in the latter days that, uh, you know, people would be dreaming dreamings, dreams and prophesying, seeing visions and things like that. And, you know, it helps the whole body. And uh, often, oftentimes, God assists me in g- getting an interpretation on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a lot of times my, my own dreams, I can't. <laughs> and so I'll run, like my own dreams, I'll, I'll run by Miss Kapow. She'll write it down and then. Later on, say here's what I what I think. Here's what I'm getting. So it it's that's com- a common way it seems to occur, where there's like a checks and balance type of thing. Yeah. So this is a a dream that she sent over to me, and when I read it, uh, it immediately struck me as having some significance. And then what I'm about to share with you begin to unfold. Um, and the interpretation of it for the general body of the called out ones, those who hear the voice of the shepherd and know his voice and follow him. And it's a um, it's a last day's warning as well as a as a teaching, but it's certainly a warning. <clears throat> so having having said that, let me let me put my little uh, disclaimer on it um the only time i say thus saith the lord uh is if i'm reading uh that it's something that's in the scripture you know it's it's a the word of god thus saith the lord because he he has said it in his word uh normally i won't say um you know thus say the lord because i'm pretty fearful of that and um I'm fearful of <clears throat> being wrong, you know, and then saying something wrong in the name of God. Mm-hmm. So having said that, I won't say thus saith the Lord. I will say this. I believe that this interpretation, this dream and this interpretation is from the Lord. I believe that. 
I believe that, that it, that it came from the Lord. And, you know, several litmus tests is that can you, can you verify that in Scripture? Do you have Scripture that could back up what you're saying? That's one of the litmus tests. And it, it certainly has that. The other one is, does it glorify God or Christ? Or does it uh, edify the church, the body as a whole, uh, is it a teaching? Is it something that warns them against the evils of Satan? Mm. Uh, because Satan's not going to give you a deception <laughs> oh, that's going to lead you to Christ or lead you uh, to salvation or, or deceive you into uh, serving him better. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to give you that thing because a, a kingdom divided can't stand against itself, right? right. He's going to give you another type of de- deception where... You think it's good or you think it's, um, you know, an angel of light. and uh, But it's it's going to be anti-God or anti-scriptural when you get down to it. Does that make a sense? That make a sense. Make a sense of Mr. Kapal. All right. So let's get on to this. What's going to happen here is Ms. Kapal is going to actually read the entire dream. Mm-hmm. To you in its entirety, then we're going to break it down to how I, I was given to me to break down, and so then we'll read the uh, little bits of the dream and then the breakdown of it, and um, and you will see at the end it'll all come together. So bear with me. So before we start, I'll say this: I will say this. I do believe that it is a warning to the last day's saints. And I believe that's us, that we are living in the final throes of uh, this timeline. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. And um, and I believe that it's for, it's not for the, the unsaved or the unbelievers. This message is not for people who are not called uh, unto Christ, people who don't know the voice of the shepherd. This is not for them. This is for the called out ones, the ecclesia. And it's a warning to the ecclesia, to all of us that are called out of the world into his marvelous light. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let me tell you this. So I'm going to set this up. When you hear this dream and we begin to break it down, there are three characters that we're going to discuss. Three characters. These Three characters reside, all three of them, okay, reside in each of us to some degree or another. The reason why I say that is like oftentimes you'll watch a movie and you relate to the, you want to be the hero. So you go, oh, that's, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm Spider-Man. <clears throat> I'm the one, you know, fighting the bad guys and swinging from tall buildings, I'm Spider-Man. You you don't normally you don't watch a movie and go, oh, I'm that loser. I'm the bad guy. You know, that's me getting my uh, butt kicked by Spider-Man. We want to be the hero, so it's it's easy to do that. There's no hero in this story. There's no hero in this dream. All three are are screwed up to one degree or another. That's why it's a warning and a teacher teaching. So as I read this, don't automatically go, that's me. I'm a strong Christian. That's me. Don't say that. Um, What you have to say is you have some degree of strong Christian. You also have some degree of very weak or immature Christian in you. 
That's why it's a warning. That's why you have to know what to do about it. And so these three characters that I'm going to discuss, they're not separate people for us to point our fingers at. So we can't sit here and go, oh, that guy, I know someone just like that. They're immature. They don't have any knowledge. You know, but not me, you know. Or I know somebody just like that that's asserting, but they don't get it. You know, it's like th- there's a little bit of that in all of us, you know, at some at some point. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we have to be aware of and what we have to get rid of. We have to fix this. And that's why God, I believe God has given this message today. This is part of the contending for our faith. Absolutely. It is the the fighting for the uh, working out our salvation, right, Ms. Capel? That's right. Yeah. This is the contending of our faith. This is it. So here are the three characters you're going to hear about. You're going to hear about the immature in God, or sometimes I refer to it as the child. It's the immature that are in God. And as, as long as we've all been Christians or as deep as we are in the rabbit hole and no matter how awake we are, there's some part of us that's always immature because mm-hmm. we don't have all knowledge. Sometimes we're just ignorant on things, right? And, but it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay as long as you understand how that could be used against you by the enemy and that you don't stay in that immature mode, that you, that you have a teachable spirit and that the Holy Spirit can bring you into a more mature understanding of things. That's right. Capiche? Mm-hmm. The second one is the discerning in God. The discerning God. That's probably where a lot of us fit in. We're very discerning on things, but we can still go sideways. We can still go sideways, and I'll show you how. Uh, even the Bible says that uh, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, and you go, well, how would that happen? The very elect, they're discerning. We know we're discerning. We have wisdom, we're wide awake. How? And I'll show you how you can be easily deceived, even when you're discerning. And then the, the third character is the strong in God. Yes, that's all of us. We're so strong, right? And um, <laughs> even the strong in God, in God can make these this vital mistake. And this is, this is, I think this is why the Lord really, I think this is why this dream uh, came across my desk because I think it really, if you really take it to heart and you think, hey, these three characters could be in me, how can I prevent um, the deception on all three of them? You're going to be way ahead of the game mm-hmm. in this last days because you really don't want this happening. And so all, all these facets, all three of these facets, today, right now, are being attacked by the serpent in very specific ways in these very last hours. So that's why the dream is a warning as well as a teaching. The other thing I want to say is that the, the these characters, these three characters in the dream have nothing to do with the Schaefer family. It has nothing to do with Max and Jennifer or their granddaughter. They're simply representatives of it's these characters. Yes, they're symbolic of these types of these character types in that dream, but it's not a it's not a um, a statement on their spiritual development or their their real life, right? Uh, as as far as that goes, it it does apply to them in the body of Christ, right? All right. So, like I said, it's for the end time saints. It is not 
uh, personal in that respect. So Satan is attacking. Um, if he hasn't attacked you yet, he will. <laughs> right, Ms. Cabal? Yeah. And he just does all kinds of weird things mentally, um, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I had an... Should I, I'm going to tell him about the episode I had uh, a couple of nights ago. Oh, okay. Uh, we're watching... Uh, Ooh, I don't know. We're I watching a movie, know. YouTube, something. YouTube, something like that. And uh, I was uh, I was drinking uh, a beverage. And we just got done eating, I think. Yep. Just got done eating, and uh, oh, I was reading. I was reading a manual. I was reading some manual. Yeah, but we had the YouTube thing. Yeah, we had the YouTube on, and I was in between watching this thing. I was reading a manual, and I and I. Uh, uh, you know, it was, it had a glass of beverage I was drinking, you know, while I was reading this manual watching this. And everything was fine. And there was no big deal. And uh, I've had this uh, this cough, you know, come on and off for about a year now on me, you know. And it just, it just comes on me. It's really weird. And so I was sitting there and um, I, I remember reading, reading this manual. I had my reader glasses on and everything was fine. I'm sitting up in the chair. And I took a drink, and I don't know what happened. I don't know, as I, as I took that drink, I don't know if I was coughing at the same time as something came up. I, I really can't, I really don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, I felt, um, well, I, that I couldn't swallow the liquid. I couldn't swallow it. And so I started sputtering, like, um, like you know, like trying to cough, like cough. But yeah, my, your cough was different. <clears throat> you know what I mean? That's what I heard, and that's what alarmed me. And I looked at you, and ugh. yeah. Okay. So Miss Capel's sitting there watching this thing, but like she said, now I didn't notice it, but she said it, the cough was different. It was it was mm-hmm. something it was strange. And and I'll and I'll let her tell her side of the story because I I was out. I don't remember, but I just remember like sputtering, having something in my mouth, and I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. But something was wrong. I didn't know what, though. And, you know, this all happened in a matter of, of like, milliseconds. Yeah. There was no time. It happened so quick. But the only thing I can think of is I got to get this this out of my mouth. So I grabbed the the glass that I had already set down. Right, Ms. Cabell? Mm-hmm. I'd taken a swig, but I, I set it down. I grabbed it, and the last thing I remember is is thinking I got to spit it out. It, that's the last thing I remember, and then um, I I hear a buzzing sound. I call it ringing the bell when you lose consciousness. It's um, for me, it's like a like a bell ringing, mm-hmm. and, and then you lose consciousness and you and you go out. You probably go, brother Kapow. How many times have you lost consciousness? Well, I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I used to be in martial arts and stuff like that, and you know, but it's called like ringing the bell. And so I remember hearing that that sound. And that was it, you know, and you go into a dream state, you know, you're, you're gone. And, uh, the, the next thing I re- remember <coughs> is, um, like waking up and Miss Kapow is, is standing in front of me, just screaming at me, just screaming at me. I don't know what she's saying, but I just hear her yelling. And, um, I kind of look up from a hunched 
position that I'm at. And I go, what? What's wrong? What happened? And she's highly upset. And um, what, had, what had happened in real life, but I don't remember, is I guess after I spit it out, the glass just kind of dropped to my lap and, and I lost consciousness. Mm-hmm. That quickly, I, I was out and I was somewhere else. I was gone. I mean, I had no rec- I had I didn't have any idea. I was gone. And um, I don't know where I went, but I was gone. And um, so she she woke me up um, by striking me and hitting me in the back and <clears throat> all this stuff. So when I got up, um, you know, I had to, uh, you know, that coughing came on me. And so that's been a couple of days ago. And ever since then, I, I get, my lungs aren't right. Mm-hmm. I can feel it up in the my upper respiratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like I have uh, influenza or a really bad cold or chest cold, but I'm not sick. I don't have I don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm perfectly healthy, perfectly normal, but my chest feels. Um, You're wheezing. I'm wheezing. I got all kinds of uh, kinds of issues, and even at night, you know, when I sleep, I never had these problems, and now um, this wheezing will come on me, and then I can calm it. Call it, they'll go away. That's how, that's how I, I, I honestly don't think it's, it's physical. I think it's spiritual because asthma or emphysema doesn't come and go. <laughs> you know, you either have it or you don't. This comes and goes. It's really very odd. So anyway, that's, that's my story. Miss Kapow has her side of it. Mm-hmm. Well, ever since uh, we received this dream from uh, the Schaefer's, um, We've been attacked, especially Brother Kapow. And he even told me, he goes, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if if I got killed before I was able to give this message. And I looked at him like, That's why right. do you say stuff like that? Because, you know, he, he says a lot of things that come to pass. So I say all <laughs> that. A lot of times I roll my eyes when he says things like that because like, ah, why are you saying that? <laughs> Anyways, um, like uh, Brother Paul was saying, we're sitting there. He was reading his manual and he was drinking. Um, I was... Um, in the room watching YouTube or whatever. And normally I hear him cough and, and stuff like that. And uh, I pray over him and whatnot. And this evening was no different. I heard him cough, but the cough was different. And I looked at him and he was sputtering. And, um, as I, and like he said, it was like a millisecond. And I remember, I, I just thought he was in danger. As I was getting up, I saw him take the glass and spit in it but he looked at me and he wasn't it wasn't like it was him it was i saw something in his eyes and it scared and it scared me and um and that's when i ran over to him i grabbed him and i was saying oh jesus jesus and he was out and so i took the glass i put it on the on the table i grabbed him forward and I just started banging his his um, his back, and and I was screaming, you know, wake up, wake up! And I was and 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 calling out for Jesus and just hitting him, rubbing his back, smacking his back. I mean, I missed this. It's like when when you hit Brother Kapow, it's like hitting a, a brick wall because my all my knuckles uh, were bruised up. They're like blue and they hurt. But all of a sudden, he coughed, and then he looked up, and he goes, what? And I'm like, uh-huh. 
you know, and the, the, it was so traumatic to me for me because he was spewing, you know, I mean, there was like this, this vabas coming out of his mouth. And when you, when you just see him go lifeless like that, I knew he was choking is what happened. He was choking. He, he didn't get breath. And it, and it really scared me because I could see, you know, have me having call 911. I didn't, you know, I just really didn't know how to do this. The only thing that came to me was to hit him in the back and pull him forward so that whatever was lodged in his throat or whatever could come out. And thank God it did. But it left me um, um, shocked. That's all I have to say. It was scary. And even now today, I, I can close my eyes and I can still see that look in his eye. I could still visualize it and I can be transported back to that moment. And, and it's very un, um, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. I, and I think this wasn't, I think what you have to understand, this wasn't just, oh, um, you know, he coughed and lost consciousness or something like that. I mean, it was like, I, you know, I, th- I think something was trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have even died a little bit. <laughs> I don't know because I was gone. I mean, I was the last thing I remember was spit. Well, grabbing the cup to spit in it. I don't actually remember releasing the liquid, and um, and I was gone somewhere. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I you know, I wasn't all freaked out or anything. That was it was kind of a peaceful thing. Um, but you know, we went to bed that night, and you can almost sense the spirit of death. Mm-hmm. Could you not? You know. Yeah. And Wednesday, when I got this dream from Jennifer, uh, we had a dog groom appointment. And we had to take our dogs in for grooming. It was raining really, really hard over here. And I and I had trouble communicating with Jennifer. I got the email. I read it. And I went, holy moly, this is important. And so I tried to reply back to her and say, hey, I'm going to get back to you with interpretation. But, you know, for right now, just suffice it to say, this is this is something else, you know. But my server, she sent it to me on uh, Paul at KapowRadioShow.com. The server wouldn't let it go through. It kept saying certificate, not recognized certificate. It, I couldn't communicate to her. So I said, well, I, I'll try to go through Fifth Hook Media. I, it wouldn't let me go through. Right, Ms. Capow? I yeah. spent, I don't know how long, you know, maybe a half an hour trying to communicate with her. Yeah. And I went to my personal email account and it wouldn't work. I could not. Finally, I used Facebook Messenger and I said, are you there? She said, yeah. And I said, I'm having a hard time getting to but I just, this thing is significant and I'll get back to you this afternoon when I get back. And that's what I told Ms. Capel. I said, I got a feeling that um, something's going to try to kill me. <laughs> yeah, at least to, to stop this message. To stop the message because I'm the only one who had it in my head. I could, I didn't even articulate it to Miss Kapow yet Mm-mm. because I didn't want to until I could really, you know, discuss it logically. So I'm the only one who had it in my head. So if I were to die, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just sounds weird, but it, that's that's what I felt, mm-hmm. and it was raining like crazy, and I could I can just think you know something's gonna try to hit me or you know <laughs> something. And, of course, it didn't, but it was like uh, the next night, uh, you know, that weird thing happened to me. So, anyway, we're doing the show today, and I guess I better get on with it before, <laughs> right? Yeah. 24 minutes into it, so I better get into it. So, you know, really, you know, I'm just saying, appreciate what this is. 
because I think we went through some weird stuff to get this to you. And uh, Jennifer also, you know, Jennifer and her family, Max. Um, all right? Mm-hmm. So, Ms. Capal, without further ado, if you'll just read it. Sure. Then we'll break it down. Okay. I was sitting on the bed with Max. Our nine-year-old granddaughter was in a recliner next to the bed sitting up. All of a sudden, I was very frightened because I saw there was a black snake that was writhing in a curled-up ball on the ceiling outside of our room. It kind of bounced around a little bit on the ceiling as it moved. It bounced over this lintel and came into the room still on the ceiling. It bounced around on the ceiling until it was near to my granddaughter and then fell to the ground right in front of her. I was afraid for her, and I told her to stay away from the snake and jump to the bed where we were. She wanted to jump over to the bed, but my husband told her to stay there. She sat up to look closer at the snake and was thinking of touching it, but still feel fearful of it. The snake stood straight up on the tip of its tail and looked at her in the face, so they were eye to eye almost. Then it was back up on the ceiling, writhing in a ball as before. As it bounced along the ceiling, it got closer to me and fell to the end of the bed when it was back on the ceiling again and it was writhing closer till it was just over my head. I was very frightened and Max told me not to be afraid and as the snake started to fall, I would have, it would have landed on my head but he grabbed it and knocked it to the floor beside the bed. He scooped it up and stuffed it under his left arm and controlled it with his right hand like you would control a wild animal or an animal that was trying to get away to make it stop struggling against you. He contained it under his arm, and I said, Be careful, it will bite you. He said, No, it won't, and even if it did, we don't have poisonous snakes in Nebraska. I said, Even if it's not poisonous, you can get an infection from it. He said, No, I won't, it'll be okay. And he set the snake down at the foot of the bed. It was calm now and didn't struggle. When I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. The snake had become a beautiful animal with four legs. It was more like a lizard with four longer legs and smooth skin, I guess. But it was my favorite color, like a turquoise, and it had these beautiful stones all on it, like rhinestones all over it, silver rhinestones. It was very beautifully made. I couldn't believe how gorgeous it was and how it was to be desired. And I said, wow, it's beautiful. Must have been belonged to somebody because they put a lot of work into it. We should keep it. And Max looked at me in disbelief and said, a minute ago, you wanted to get rid of it. And now you want to keep it? And I said, I didn't know how beautiful it was and how valuable it was and how it should benefit us. That's when she woke up and told Max about the dream. And she says, we were told something about time being short, but because I didn't remember Revelation and Max was sleepy, he didn't retain it. Okay, so that's the dream in its entirety. So let's break it down. The um, Just read that first part. Okay. According to my notes. Okay, let's see. Okay. Um, I was sitting on the bed with Max. Our nine-year-old granddaughter was in a recliner next to the bed sitting up. All right, so... The bed in the bedroom is a place of peace, of comfort and safety. It's a place where the world is not invited into, right? Mm -hmm. So all three of these characters that I'm going to talk about, the child, the discerner, and the strong, are at peace 
inside of this place, right? Mm -hmm. That's us. That's the church that called out once. We're at peace in this place in Christ, right? And in our lives. So here we are at a place of peace, comfort, and safety. Okay, next. All of a sudden, I was very frightened because I saw there was a black snake that was writhing in a curled up ball on the ceiling outside of our room. It kind of bounced around a little bit on the ceiling as it moved. I thought this was really, really a, a odd, odd thing to see in a dream. A black snake up on the ceiling. And you notice it's outside of the place of comfort, the room. It's bouncing around on the ceiling. Now, the black snake was clearly to me was the god of this this world of this age it's it's lucifer it's satan the the great dragon the snake serpent so he's on the ceiling because in his world the one we live in everything is upside down and reversed mm -hmm. that's why you have as above so below that's why you have uh Aleister crowley telling his satanic followers to write backwards to everything backwards because it's a black occult magic. See, the uh, first book of Adam and Eve <clears throat> calls the serpent the hater of all that is good. He hates all that is good. Everything that's of God, he hates. So it's, he, it's opposite with him. So evil is good. Good is bad. Ugly is beautiful, etc. That's why there's such ugly art, ugly music. It, because it's him. It goes back to the tree of good and evil. Is where this harkens back to. Also, because this serpent, this snake moves in a ball by bouncing around, it's it's like powerless. Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of power. It's just kind of bouncing around up there. So it can only deceive one into destruction, as, as we're going to later see. It, it's not, it can't just, you know, attack. It can only like deceive you. The black serpent is outside of the safe place, but it's not for long. Okay? Not for long. Mm-hmm. Revelation 12, 9 says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So you might want to know when that happened. Well, we know that when Jesus was on the earth, it hadn't happened yet. John 13, 31, Jesus says, now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Mm. John 14, 30, Jesus also says, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. So he's here now. He's here. Mm -hmm. He's bouncing around. The next part says, it bounced over the lintel and came into the room still on the ceiling. This, this really struck me when she used the term lentil. <laughs> she wrote lentil. Uh, lentil is an interesting word to use because um, by definition, it's a horizontal support of timber, stone, concrete, steel that's across the top of a door or window. In the dream, it separates the safe place that's inside from the unsafe outside. Mm -hmm. In Exodus 12.22, we find you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's real significance with that. So the safety of lintel is no longer present, my friends. The serpent can, does, and will bounce right into your safe, private, comfortable, and protected zone. Just like we experienced a couple of nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they, some of you may go, well, you just coughed or you swallowed wrong or something. That's fine. Something, but I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah, but the you, spiritual is always manifested in the physical. Yeah. I'm telling you, I don't know what happened. Something happened. Something did happen. I was just drinking and kaboom. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I was done eating. There was no food in the mouth. Um, in a relaxed state, wasn't talking, uh, occupied reading this manual and watching something and bam, it will come to you. It bounced around on the ceiling until it was near to my granddaughter and then fell to the ground right in front of her. I was afraid for her and I told her to stay away from the snake and jump to the bed where we were. She wanted to jump over to the bed, but my husband told her to stay there. So to me, this was the innocent, the granddaughter, remember, this is a nine-year-old granddaughter in the dream. She's the innocent or immature saint in the Lord, okay? There's a little bit of that in all of us, folks. Don't think that you know everything there is to know because we don't. I certainly yeah. don't. Yeah, don't think that you stand lest you fall. Exactly. You always got to take heed. Mm-hmm. So this innocent or immature saint in the Lord will be confronted by the serpent. But they will be confused in what direction to take as they listen to various voices telling them what to do. So they do nothing, right? How many immature saints just listen to all kinds of ministries? They just listen to all kinds of different people and they really don't know what to do because they don't have the biblical knowledge or spiritual experiences to make proper decisions themselves. Mm-hmm. Or they just don't recall what to do. They just don't, they don't, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they read it, but they didn't put it into practice. Yeah, that's why Peter in um, chapter two says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And then as you, as you grow, then you get off the milk and you get into the beet. Mm-hmm. You don't stay babies. You grow in the Lord. Yeah. So here, okay, the next part of the the dream. She sat up to look closer at the snake and was thinking of touching it, but still fearful of it. The snake stood straight up on the tip of its tail and looked at her in the face, so they were eye to eye almost. Then it was back up on the ceiling, writhing in a ball as before. Okay, so number one, the child, the immature in God, takes a closer look at the serpent, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, the immature thinks about touching it. Uh, wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Three, she's still afraid of it. And four, now she's eye to eye with it. Mm-hmm. So the immature child in all of us, when confronted by deception, will at first want to take a closer look at it. Curiosity. Yes, curiosity. And I think about, and I just let me say this real, real quick. I think a, a, a lot about immature Christians that don't have the knowledge of God, and you know they're looking at the, uh, the homosexual lifestyle, and they believe they can be a homosexual and a and a Christian. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because it's about love. I'm not a sodomite. I'm not a uh, ritual prostitute. I'm only with one man and I'm not promiscuous. It's, it's, it's that justification of it. So they first look at it because they're curious. Can I do this? Then the child will want to touch the forbidden action. First they look at it, curiosity, and then they want to take action on it. Can I do it? Will I do it? Can I live with this man? The child, while still fearful, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is biblical. I don't know. Still fearful will go ahead with the deception. And that's, that's where you get your denial and your justification. Then you deny that it's wrong. Or you justify that deception, that sin. And when that has happened, like in the dream with the serpent looking eye to eye with the child, then the child will be mesmerized by the serpent. It will see eye to eye with it, fully engulfed into its deception. Once that happens, the child's gone, folks. In this dream, you don't hear any more about the the, the child. Mm -mm. It's gone. Once it's engulfed in this deception, seeing eye to eye with the serpent, it's over. Mm -hmm. He's won. Okay? It's very much what happened to Eve and the serpent in the garden. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Because this whole dream really harkens back to the garden. Mm -hmm. This whole dream is, is, is a is a revolution taking us back to what happened to the garden. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's incredible. So once that occurs, a serpent is back up in the air, back up in the ceiling, back in the air where it lives, bouncing around to do it again to somebody else. So we, you know, we all can point the figure at a figure at the immature Christian who's, who's still living a lifestyle of sin and justifying it. But you got to remember that immature Christian, that immature child lives in all of us to some degree, Mm -hmm. but this is how it's deceived. So now we know, now we know what not to do. We don't take a closer look at it. We don't think about touching it and we, it, it, we certainly should still be afraid of it, but we don't take action on the sin where now it's eye to eye with us and we see it. Mm -hmm. And see, these were all with our senses with our eyes. We, we look at it. We think about it, and then we want to handle it, and then we're not really afraid of it. You know, I mean, we're afraid of it, but not to the point where we flee from it. Yes. And so we're looking at the evil. When in Second Peter, he says um, in the first chapter, it says, uh, let's see, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And lust is very big. Mm-hmm. Now, for this very reason, also, we apply at diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. We're always needing to gain more knowledge of God in our salvation. And in your knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's huge, the true knowledge. Mm -hmm. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent 
to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly, abundant life supplied to you. And that what you just read, that prevents you from being an immature saint mm-hmm. right there. That will prevent this from happening. Ephesians 2.2 2 says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Mm. That's formally. So you, you, we all need to move beyond that immature state. And those things that we are immature in, we certainly don't want to take a closer look at Satan. We don't want to touch it. We don't want to be eye to eye with it. Right? Mm-mm. We, it's evil. And you've got to know it's evil. All right. Um, all right. You're on, Ms. Bell. As it bounced along the ceiling, it got closer to me and fell to the end of the bed. Then it was back on the ceiling again, and it was writhing closer till it was just over my head, and I was very frightened. Now we move on to the discerning saint. This character is played by Jennifer herself, the discerning saint. The discerning saint in us recognizes the deception. It knows the evil and is frightened and repulsed by it. The serpent wants to attack the head. The head is the place of reason, logic, and wisdom. Think about that. It wants to attack how you think. The discerning saint in us tells us that it's evil and to have nothing to do with it. So the discerning saint is not curious about the serpent like the immature child is, right? Mm-hmm. She she sees it writhing. She sees it coming closer to the bed and getting closer. To, it's scaring the heck out of her. She wants nothing to do with it. She's not interested in it. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes, right? Mm-hmm. We cannot be ignorant of these things. 2 Peter 5.8 says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to, de- to devour. So, so far, so good, right? With the discerning Christian, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're good. But, but as I read on, you're going to see where the mistake is made. Okay, Ms. Capel? Max told me not to be afraid. And as the snake started to fall, it would have landed right on my head but he grabbed it and knocked it to the floor beside the bed. So now we're introducing the strong saint. This is played by Max, Jennifer's husband. We're introducing the the strong in God, right? Mm -hmm. So the granddaughter is the immature child of God. She's already out of the picture. She's looking eye to eye to the snake. She's gone. The discerner is like scared, recognizes it, I want nothing to do with it. And the strong comes in, bam, right? The snake would have landed right on the discerner's head, but the strong in her knocked it to the floor beside the bed. So here we have the strong saint rises up and it protects our head from the serpent's evil attack, right? That's great. It's fantastic. The strong in the Lord know not to be afraid as they know where their trust and faith in God lead them. This is great, right? Great news. Matthew 4.11 says, Then the devil left him, talking about Christ, 
And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. See, Mark 16, 18, my favorite scripture, says they will pick up serpents, just like Max in the dream, picked that thing up, knocked it to the ground. You'll see him wrestle with it in the next paragraph. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. So everything sounds good right now for the discerning Christian, for the strong Christian, but we're going we're gonna to get into where they make the mistakes that Satan deceived them. He scooped it up and stuffed it under his left arm and controlled it with his right hand, like he would control a wild animal or an animal that was trying to get away. To make it stop struggling against you. He contained it under his arm, and I said, Be careful, it will bite you. And he said, No, it won't. And even if it did, we don't have poisonous snakes in Nebraska. I said, Even if it's not poisonous, you can get an infection from it. He said, No, I won't. I'll be okay. (laughs) Is that fantastic? That's that strong saint in you rising up, going, I can, Mark 16, 18, I can pick up the serpent. It's not going to bite me. It's not. I, I can. I can drink any deadly pain. Not going to hurt me. You know, I. I. I, I know where my strength is. It's not going to hurt me. Um. The strong Satanist knows how to conduct spiritual battle, does it not? Mm-hmm. The strong Satanist is confident in the words of God. It knows where the strength comes from. Ephesians six twelve says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he set the snake down at the foot of the bed. It was calm now and didn't struggle. Okay. Ms. Capel, read that again to the audience. And he set the snake down at the foot of the bed. It was calm now and didn't struggle. So the strong in the Lord takes the snake, knocks it from the head of the discerning, wrestles with it, controls it, and then what does he do? He sets it at the foot of the bed, the place of safety. Here's the problem. Here's where the strong saint goes wrong. The strong saint in you, here's where it goes wrong, folks. The strong saint set the serpent down where? In his safe, peaceful, and protected space. They're in the bedroom. He wrestles with it, but then he sets it down. And the snake's calm, right? Mm -hmm. The strong saint should have killed the serpent, not set it down. The serpent had to be removed from the bedroom and the house, not allowed to, to, to live. The serpent should have been destroyed. See, the lack of action causes the discerning saint to be deceived. We're going to see this later. The, the strong in you, when you allow something to remain, you open up the deception to your discerning saint in you. Mm-hmm. The serpent must be removed, folks. The serpent is calm in the dream only because it's deceiving the human. Mm-hmm. It's like the in the Old Testament with the kings. 
you know, they would get rid of the things in the um, temple of the Lord, and but they would forget to get rid of the stuff in the high places. They would do all this cleansing, mm-hmm. but they would let the, the priest of Baal live, and they'd let the temples remain. And mm-hmm. so those... Uh, in the Idols, surra- yeah, those in the, surra- in the high places around there were still doing pagan worship. Mm-hmm. Because their their efforts were were only half good. You can't allow anything to remain. You can't justify it. The immature justifies it and denies that it's bad and sees eye to eye with Satan and then loses it. Mm-hmm. The discerning isn't like that. The discerning goes, oh, no, I don't want nothing to do with this. Get away from my head. And then the strong rises up and takes care of it. But if you don't get rid of it, if you totally don't get rid of it, out of your home and your life, you're gonna see what happens here. Here's how, here's here's what happens. It has to it has to be removed. In Psalms forty four five, it says, "Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us." The snake has to be trampled, folks. The head of the snake has to be crushed. It can't be set down. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the hill. He shall bruise you on the head. Matthew 8.16 says about Jesus, he cast out, that's ekbalo. Mm-hmm. That's violently removing. The Greek is a, a violent act. He cast out the spirits with a word. Mm-hmm. See, Jesus didn't let them remain. He didn't say, well, if you promise not to give this saint any more trouble, you can hang out, but just don't act up, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't set it down, folks. Genesis doesn't say, he, 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 shall, he says, he shall bruise you on the head, didn't say, well, he'll step over around you as long as you don't try to bother him. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to get rid of it, whatever it is in your life. Yeah, and in First Thessalonians, it says, abstain from every form of evil. And in First Corinthians 15, it says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Wow. We got to get rid of it. Even if even if they say they're a Christian, right, Ms. Powell? Mm-hmm. You got someone else that comes into your life and says, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to this church or this church. Um, I do this. But as you're talking to them, you see that they're associating with known false teachers mm-hmm. or they're doing practices that are new age, that are not biblical. Do you stay associated with them because they said they're a Christian? Mm-hmm. No, you got to you got to remove them from your life. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. You got to you got to remove because this is what happens. Yeah. And then in First John five, it says, "Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Guard yourself. Take heed." Okay, Miss Capel. And when I saw, oh, I'm sorry. When I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. The snake had become a beautiful animal with four legs. It was more like a lizard with four longer legs and smooth skin, I guess. But it was my favorite color, like a turquoise. And it had these beautiful stones all over on it, like rhinestones all over it. 
silver rhinestones. Can you believe that? So after in her dream, Max, representing the strong saint, grabs this, this serpent, wrestles with it, protects her head, but then he sets it down. And what happens when he sets it down? It transforms in front of her, in front of her eyes. That's what I'm talking about. When the strong saint in you doesn't get rid of the serpent in your life, it will transform and will deceive your discerner. And you become double-minded and become unstable yes. in everything you do. Even though you're a discerner, even though you go, that's evil, I'll never be like the immature child. I'll never be like the young Christian that that practices sin openly and justifies it. I'll never do that. I won't do that. But yet you're deceived and don't even know it. You don't even know it because it transformed in front of your eyes. Satan transforms into an angel of light, and he's done it all the time. And this is interesting, the part of her dream, because she she describes this serpent much like the Bible describes Satan before his fall. Mm -hmm. Even her favorite color, he was like a turquoise. Had beautiful stones all over it, rhinestones. So here's here's the big problem here. The discerning saint in us is deceived by the beauty of the deceiving serpent. Now, the difference is unlike the immature child who was curious about the evil looking, he, he, he was curious about the evil looking serpent the discerning saint rejects the evil, but is swayed by the beauty. You get the difference? Mm-hmm. That's why so many quote unquote Christians who seem to be squared away otherwise, you know, with the Bible and the way they see things and, and their eyes being open to a lot of things will still follow Francis Chan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or Rick Warren or a host of other guys that don't even know anymore. You know, they'll still follow a denomination. I'm a Baptist. I'm a, you know, whatever. And some people just follow the person. They'll, they will follow the person through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, oh, they're not, I will never follow Aleister Crowley like the immature Christian would. I'm not a Christian witch. They reject that kind of evil but they don't know that they're swayed by the beauty of the deception of Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. That's or, why the Bible says, you know, to, to guard against idols. Guard it. You have to. Cause that's just because you're discerning to one area doesn't mean you're discerning in all areas. All the time you see this and that lives in us. It lives in me. We have to really take heed on that. Not to be swayed by the beauty of it, right? Mm-hmm. The beauty and the wonderland of Christmas, folks. The beauty of Christmas. It's beautiful. We celebrate the birth of Christ. Folks, you do not. You reject the evil, but you're swayed by the beauty. The discerning Christian in this dream, in this warning here, it is swayed because why? The strong saint did not destroy the serpent, hmm. but let it remain in its home. 
That's how you get swayed. This is a lesson, folks. This is how the discerner in us gets swayed by the beauty because the strong in us does not destroy the serpent. It let You let the serpent remain. Mm-hmm. You justify the pagan practices. You justify the pagan holidays and you let it remain. And then you see the beauty in it. But the end result is the end result. That's right. You're still deceived by the bouncing black snake. And what's amazing about Jennifer's dream is that I believe she saw what the fallen angel looked like prior to its fall from God's mountain. She even saw the turquoise. Mm-hmm. Shall I read Ezekiel 28? It says, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the burl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise. Mm-hmm. This is what she saw. And the emerald and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. Remember in her dream, she says, it looks like somebody took great care to make this. Mm -hmm. You know, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, It continues in Ezekiel, you walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Mm. By the abundance of your trade, (laughs) you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that you they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled by you. You have become terrified and you will cease to be forever. Wow. It was very beautifully made, and I couldn't believe how gorgeous it was and how it was to be desired. And I said, wow, it's beautiful. This must have belonged to somebody because they put a lot of work into it. We should keep it. And Max looked at me in disbelief and said, in a minute ago, you wanted to get rid of it, and now you want to keep it? And I said, I didn't know how beautiful it was and how valuable it was and how it would benefit us. Can you imagine? This is what she dreamed, folks. This is incredible. She sees this beautiful snake, the serpent as it was before it was cast down. Just like Eve. Eve must have felt the same feeling. She said how beautiful it was. It must have belonged to somebody because they put a lot of work into it. 
God put his handiwork into creating this angel, the covering cherub. It was gorgeous. Now she wants to keep it. But the strong in her says, the strong's the one who, who let it stay, is in disbelief and said, but a minute ago you wanted to get rid of it, now you want to keep it? But he should have got rid of it. It should have never been able to transform into an angel of light. And you never would have got to this paragraph, right? Mm-hmm. So now she doesn't, she, she says, well, yeah, I didn't know how beautiful it was, like Satan. I didn't know how valuable it was and how it could benefit us. Folks, if you don't see the Garden of Eden in there, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. This is the exact deception, exactly used in the Garden of Eden. It came full circle here. The fruit was beautiful to Eve's eyes. It was good or valuable as food, and it was beneficial in making her wise. It was all of these things. The fruit itself is the serpent. The fruit itself is the deceiving angel who was in the garden. Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, right? Valuable. And that the tree was desirable, beneficial, to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. To me, it seems like Adam in this was was representing the strong, the strong saint. And of course, he fell also, right? Mm-hmm. Because the deception and the strong, they're so linked together. In the second Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, No wonder, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Yep. Now we go back to Genesis 3, 6 yes. with the woman that saw the tree was good for food. It's like that's the lust of the flesh and that it was delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. That's the pride of life. And in First John it says, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, It is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And remember Jesus talking about um, lust, where he says, um, Watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed, covetousness, or lust. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You know, it's amazing, you know, when you're, the, the term lust, it, I'm going back to the dream with the child and its curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the same thing. Yeah, the lust of knowledge. Yeah, that lust is, is you're curious of it. Mm-hmm. I want it, you know? Uh, quite, quite amazing. Mm-hmm. The last part of the dream, it says, I woke up and told Max about the dream. And we were told something about time being short. But because I don't remember Revelations and Max was sleepy, he didn't retain it. <laughs> uh, you know, which is easy to do. When this stuff comes to you in the middle of the night, you know, we're dreaming like, I had to, you know, what? I just want to, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we're human. Uh, but thank, you know, thank God that she remembered enough of it to articulate it. And also to put in there that they were told something about time being short. Mm-hmm. So that what that told me was that this this dream 
has a last day's interpretation. It has an end time interpretation. And so what I believe is that the cycle of the serpent repeats itself. It's just like the Ouroboros eating its own tail, right? It is the great dragon. He's always been, looking for the opportunity. Just like he did in, in the garden. It didn't change. Mm-hmm. But we have to be aware of how these things work, how he deceives. Even when you think you're strong or even when you think you're discerning and you, or, or you think you're just innocent and you don't know. This is how it happens. So this is, this is the great dragon. He's been cast to earth and it knows that its time is short. It knows its time is short. So the deception repeats itself as in the scenario of the Garden of Eden. And you had you had talked about this earlier when we talked about the immature child being as mm-hmm. Eve. Mm-hmm. So Eve is like the immature child. And she was deceived by the serpent itself, being face-to-face and eye-to-eye with it, you see. Mm-hmm. She spoke and listened to it. She was curious about God's command to not eat from that particular tree, right? Mm -hmm. Eve is like the immature child. Now, Eve, as the discerning saint, was swayed by the beauty, the desire, and the benefits of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And she was then she was enticed to disobey God's word, Mm -hmm. right? And then Adam, as the strong saint, he did not destroy the idea of partaking in the deception with Eve, did he? Mm-mm. He did not destroy that idea or the serpent. Rather, he allowed it to live on, to fester. Thus, the strong saint failed to cover both the innocent and the discerning. And then death entered into the world, right? Mm-hmm. But let's not look at these as three separate characters. Let's look at these as these three particular characters all rolled up living in us. Were, were all of these at any given time. Mm-hmm. And so we have to recognize how each one should defend for the other. Right? Mm-hmm. So there are three characters and all of us saints and the serpent attacks each one of these ways. So to enumerate... Number one, the immature child or innocent saint is deceived by playing directly with the evil out of curiosity. Even though it fears it, it wants to touch it. Once the serpent is eye to eye with the child, the child is deceived and then justifies or rationalizes its sin. Mm-hmm. Clear? Pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Number two, the discerning saint in us is very good at recognizing evil. All of us could pull up Aleister Crowley or we could pull up any uh, pop singer, any kind of musician, you know, or movie star and see their hand signs and the evil and the stuff that's going on, right? The discerning in us, it's afraid of the serpent. It does not want the serpent near its head. The discerning is repulsed by the serpent. However... It is deceived when the evil masquerades itself as a beautiful thing. The serpent transforms into an angel of light to destroy this 
particular discerning saint. This deception presents an anti-biblical or an anti-God concept as being beautiful, desirable, and beneficial. Mm-hmm. Right, Ms. Capel? Kind of right. like Christian Reiki. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like I'm a Christian, but I'll use occult methodologies to bring about healing to another saint. That's right. Yeah. I know it sounds bizarre, folks, but they're right there sitting next to you well, in church. Well, what about Christian yoga? Christian yoga. Christ yoga. Even Christian martial arts. Don't be fooled by that. I wrote a book about that. It's an e-book. Christian, there's no such thing as Christian martial arts because it's based and rooted in satanic ideology. So the, when, the, when the deception comes as an angel of light to the discerning saint, how you will know that, whether it's you or someone else, is that the deception in itself what they're believing or what they're grasping is not biblical and it's not godly, the concept, Mm -hmm. but it's beautiful and it's desirable and beneficial. That's why they can heal people. Isn't it desirable to to bring healing to people Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, Christian counseling or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Number three, the strong saint. Now, the strong saint's not, not going to even look the serpent in the eye. It's not going to even go there. It's not going to even get mesmerized because they're strong in the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. The strong saint will recognize evil and what? Flee from it. I'm getting out of here. I'm not dealing with that. I'm not putting that myself in that position. The strong saint, the, the strong, they're biblically sound. They know the Bible. They know the scripture. They read, they study. However, they get deceived. We get deceived. And we lead others into deception when we fail to totally destroy the serpent and its lies. It's kind of like Samson, the strong man Samson. (laughs) He was fine, right? But what did he fail to do? Failed to get rid of Delilah. The strong may do good spiritual warfare, but then leave the serpent in the house or leave the serpent in their safe, protected zone, which the serpent then transforms into an angel of light for incredible deception. So the strong saint fails when it does not totally, totally <clears throat> remove the offense. Mm-hmm. Make a once sense? again, it's disobedient to God's word. Just like Solomon, you know, as a king, he was told not to um, marry, you know, um, pagan wives, but that was his downfall. And once he did that, his, um, yeah. he, he didn't remove it. He didn't remove that from his life. He added it. You know why? Because once he did that, then the discerning in him then saw the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good for the nation. I'm making, um, Bridges between different nations and Israel, and I'm bringing in all this wealth and all this goodness, right? They see the benefit, the beauty of it, right? Yep. And you're absolutely right. That's how those ancient kings of Israel did. They only went so far with it. 
Instead of removing that, you have to remove it. Or else the the discerning in you will be deceived because then they'll see the beauty of what you let transform into an angel of light. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I think we made it. Ciao, babies. We'll see how much trouble I have uploading this. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Ms. Capel? No, that's it. Okay. Me. Good night. Ciao, Take babies. heed.